So we are at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to go to verse 26 here, Luke 1, 26. And the title of today's message is, My Soul Magnifies the Lord. And it's just like the song we just sang, My Soul Magnifies the Lord. My Soul Magnifies the Lord. You know, just like you can't have Thanksgiving without prayer, you can't have Christmas without worship. And I'm going to say that again. It just, I mean, I started to notice it all over Scripture. Just like you cannot have Thanksgiving without prayer, you cannot have Christmas without worship. Notice this, that Mary, when she gets the announcement of Jesus now to be born, that she would give birth to the King, she now breaks out in a song of praise. Number one, we see worship here. We also see worship when now the angels gave the message now to the shepherds out in the field by night. What happened? A heavenly host and a choir of angels started to do what? Worship and to sing. Isn't that amazing? But then again, when Jesus was born, and He was lying in the manger and you had the nativity scene. It talks about the three wise men that went to the manger at the stable where He was and they fell before Him and offered Him their treasures and started to worship. Well, isn't that amazing that all over the Christmas story, everyone's worshiping God? And I pray that it would do three things for us today when it comes to the Christmas story, specifically the announcement of His birth. Number one, that it would increase your faith. And write that down because I, I hope that today maybe you need some, some faith in your life. You need the Lord to increase your faith this Christmas. Lord, increase my faith this Christmas. Also, that, it, that through the Word of God, it would magnify the Lord in your life. It would magnify the Lord in your life. I love the word magnify. We're going to really look at that word up close today. Magnify, right? Number one, that it would increase your faith this Christmas. That it would magnify the Lord in your life. But also that it would keep Jesus and God the center of your worship. Because it's not about just that we worship. It's about how we worship as well. It's about who we worship as well. Jesus is the center of our worship. Number one, that it would increase our faith, that it would magnify the Lord, and that it would keep Jesus the center of our worship. Now let's start off here reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. What happens when the angel Gabriel, or the messenger angel that we know of, now appears again after appearing to Zechariah, now appears to Mary, the mother of Jesus. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel. Now what is the sixth month? The sixth month was referring, now when Elizabeth was pregnant, six months. Six months after the term of pregnancy began for Elizabeth. Now, it says Gabriel, and I love this because his calling is to be a messenger angel. And it says this, Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now we have to understand that this is beautiful what's happening because God is orchestrating all these events for His Son to be born here in a specific time and place here in Galilee and in Nazareth. 
Now I love that the Lord chose Galilee for His Son to be born because Galilee was known to be a place for fishing. Galilee was known to be a place that was very simple. Now Nazareth was known to a place to be very humble, to be a very a place that, that, that was completely and absolutely uh, without much recognition, right? But it says here that it, uh, it would send now Gabriel to now Galilee, a place in Nazareth, to a virgin, verse 27, and notice this, to a virgin betrothed to a man or engaged to a man. And this engagement is so serious that it would have taken divorce to take you out of this type of engagement. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. Now in verse 27, we have two prophecies being fulfilled that let us know and recognize that this is the Messiah that the Old Testament prophets were talking about. I love the Bible, how it connects the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in the New Testament. Now it says here in verse 27, that in a, now to a virgin named Mary. And, and I love it because it was very specific how God said that His Son would be born. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it prophesied this very thing. 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Think about that. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 7 verse 14 tells us, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. What is the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now why is this a sign? Well, the really, you would think to yourself, what's 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 the sign of a woman bearing a child? That's very normal. That happens every single day. Now, in fact, this had to be a work of God. Therefore, He said, a virgin shall bear a son. That's a sign. <laughs> because when, is, when other, do you, other times do you see that someone that had, had not sexual relations now was pregnant and bore a son and had a child? Never. So this was a very specific sign. And you see that Isaiah prophesied this, and the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That is God with us. But notice in verse 27 of Luke chapter 1, it also talks about this, whose name, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph. What is interesting about Joseph? He's a descendant of David. Of David. So not only do you have here a virgin bearing a son, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that prophecy is being fulfilled. But also Jeremiah and in 1st and 2nd Samuel you see that out of the line of David, David would come the Messiah. Out of the family of David would come the Messiah. And God would establish the throne of Jesus Christ through the family and through the generations and through the genealogy of David. Through that family tree. Do you see how the family tree is so important here? In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6, it says, Behold, look, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up to David a branch, now, or one of righteousness, a family of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. His days, Judah, will be saved in his days. And Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name, by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Do you see that? From the family of David, from the generation of David, and from a virgin birth, 
right? The Messiah would be born. It was so specific here for us that we can not make the mistake of saying this wasn't Him. This was Jesus. Now in verse 28, it tells us now, And having come in, the angel said to her, this is a message that the angel has to her. And think about this, because this is a message that the angel has for you two today. I don't know what you're going through, but the angel of the Lord and His Word has a message for us. And look at the message that he has for Mary here. And he says here, the angel said to her, Rejoice, rejoice, highly favored one. This is incredible here, what he calls her and what he speaks upon her life. And he says, The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary, do you notice that in verse 28? He comes in. And he says, and he calls her three different things. First, he tells her to rejoice, to, to have joy. What, what is it? What reason do I have to have joy now? For three reasons. Number one, because you are highly favored. God has a calling on your life. You are highly favored. Why are you highly favored? Because His grace is upon you. Today you can know I am highly favored as a follower of Jesus Christ because His will for my life is, is now being executed by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in me and upon me, I'm highly favored by God. Number one, I'm highly favored. Why also? Number two, the Lord is with you. This is amazing here. See the calling that was happening to Mary's life is the same thing as when the Lord is calling you. Highly favored, the Lord is with you. And you are, number three, blessed among women. Now, we notice what? She is highly favored. The Lord is with her. And she is blessed among women. Today, you might ask yourself, what reason do I have to rejoice? What reason do I have to rejoice in obeying God's calling for my life? What reason do I have to rejoice in keeping myself pure from this world or pure from sin in a world that is so dark? I have a reason to rejoice because I'm highly favored by God. Number one, because the Lord is with me. And because of that, I am blessed because I've received grace from God to do the calling that He's called me to do. Notice that she was now at a place where she was recognized for her holiness. And she had a reason to rejoice. And I want us to read this, this verse again because it, it's interesting where it says here, Blessed are you among women. It doesn't say blessed are you, Mary, above women. It says blessed are you among the women. <laughs> there are a lot of times where we take Mary out of context and we start to worship Mary. You know that the Catholic Church would worship Mary or does worship Mary above others instead of among you know, and honor her for being the mother of Jesus. Right? It says, blessed are you among. There's a certain respect, right? But there is no worship. There's just a respect. Blessed are you among them. Because you have received grace. Not that you have a special gift. You have received grace from God. You're highly favored. You are blessed. The Lord is with you. You can walk in confidence today knowing the, I am blessed and I'm highly favored. The Lord is with me. I am blessed, I'm highly favored, the Lord is with me. Now verse 29, it says, But when she saw him, notice what Mary does. Look at her humility. This is interesting. Because it says, And when she saw him, she was troubled with his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Now, well, you know what she said? She saw this angel, and she was so humble, she was afraid. 
This angel, this was an unexpected visit. She didn't feel entitled whatsoever. She didn't say, finally, I got an angel visiting me. It's about time. Where were you, angel? Right? She wasn't like, a, you know, expecting an angel to come and, and bow down and give her a message about time. God chose me for such great work. So she, this was unexpected. This was a very big surprise. You know that God's blessings always come in very big surprises? Isn't that amazing that you did not expect a blessing from God and it came to you in a surprise, unexpected way? Why? Because the Lord is showing you and demonstrating to you are highly favored. I'm with you and you're blessed. Now what an attitude that you can have today with just those three promises. And she was afraid and tells us in verse 28, she was troubled or afraid, confused at the situation, at the greeting, at the saying, and consider what manner of greeting this is this. But the angel said to her, in verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You know what you can't be afraid, you don't have to be afraid, Mary? It's because God has given you and demonstrated to you favor. Well, this is amazing. Not only had God called her, He was also equipping her. And in that surprise, in that unexpected calling, the Lord was saying, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm still in this with you. The Lord now has found or given you favor. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Notice this. It's going to be your son. And it shall call his name Jesus. No, it's going to be your physical, biological son, Mary. And you're going to call his name, this, this son that you're going to have, you're going to name him Jesus, which is the translated from Greek to Hebrew, or from Hebrew to Greek, uh, the name of Yeshua, or the Old Testament name of Joshua, which means Savior, which means Deliverer, which means Redeemer. This is the same name, Yeshua, Jesus. This is interesting because Joshua in the Old Testament took the nation of Israel into the promised land, right? Into the promised life. But Jesus takes us into eternal life. Isn't this amazing? From the promised life to eternal life. You see the plan of redemption being held. And it says here, His name will be Jesus, salvation, deliverer. And it tells us this, He will be great. This is the, the, now the calling of Christ here. He will be great. And He will be the Son of the highest, or the Son of God. And the Lord God will give Him the throne of His father, David. Again, pr prophecy being fulfilled. Now we notice from verse 20, 31, I'm sorry, in 32, that you see that Mary was going to have a son, number one, but he also he was going to be called the son of the highest. So what do we learn here about Jesus that is very important for us to know? We learn his deity, that he's God, that he is the son of God, but he also we learn his humanity, that he's the son of Mary. In fact, we learn he's going to be the son of Mary, but he's also going to be the son of God. A hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. Do you see what's taking place here? How important this is for us to know this? That she would have a son. It would be born to now a virgin. And this is the, the, the birth that we have to understand. Because as we continue reading this story, we see the hand of God. The supernatural hand of God taking place here to rescue me and to rescue you. Now it says, and you shall have a son. And 
He will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob, verse 33, forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. There's not going to become an end. There's not going to be no threat to the kingdom of Christ. And we can trust the kingdom of Christ. We know that we live in the kingdom of God because now he is the king of kings. Do you remember the prophecy in Isaiah 9, 6 when it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. He will be the king, he will be the throne, he will be ruler, he will reign, right? And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The government will rest upon his shoulders. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I do not know a man? Now, she, she was being very logical now. But she isn't doubting now the calling of God in, in her life. No. In fact, she's filled with wonder-filled faith. She's, she's like, oh my goodness, how is God going to do this? Has God ever told you, you know what, this is what I have for your life, and you don't know how He's going to do this. And you're saying, Lord, how are you going to do this? And you step back and you say, this is an opportunity for me to trust God. I, the God is going to show up. She is welcoming now. God is showing up in this situation. How is it going to happen? Sometimes you ask yourself, how is this going to happen that, that God is going to provide? How is it going to happen that God is going to answer the prayer that I've been praying about for such a long time? How is this going to happen when we don't have the resources, when we're running out of time? When that person that we've been praying for is not answering now the call to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior, how will this happen? And you know how this will happen? It's going to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how things happen. You see, things don't happen naturally for God. Things happen supernaturally when it comes to the kingdom of God. And they happen because of the Holy Spirit. That's how things get done through the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to notice here in verse 34 and 35. How can this be since I've never had sexual relations, Mary is saying, with anyone? Saying, you, you think that this is a, an illogical way of the Lord now answering a prayer. The Lord is not limited to any physical situation. He is Lord of all. And it says here, And the angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now when you're facing a situation where you think that there is no way that this can possibly happen, the Holy Spirit needs to come upon you. And this is what happens here. The Holy Spirit intervenes. The Holy Spirit gets the work done. It's the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But the word upon is a word that's used in the New Testament a lot. In fact, it's used in the book of Acts when it says that the Holy Spirit came upon the church. It was the epi or the upon experience of the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit would come and empower someone here. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power, notice that, the power now. The dynamite, the dunamis power of the highest or of God will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One here who is to be born or Him Christ who is going to be born will be, con be, be called the Son of God. Now notice this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Is that not what we need today, the Holy Spirit to come upon us? But not only to come upon us, to overshadow us. I love that word overshadow. 
You know what the word overshadow means? It, it means that the Holy Spirit will come. He will baptize you. He was, he's going to baptize you. The Holy Spirit's going to come and baptize you. He's going to empower you. But now overshadow means to come over you or to cover you like a cloud. Oh, that's amazing. The Holy Spirit will come and cover you like a cloud. How many of us not want to pray that prayer tonight? Lord, come upon us and cover us like a cloud upon this location right here. Cover us in our lives. Lord, overshadow our home. Overshadow our church. Overshadow where we go to work. Lord, overshadow us. Come upon us. Because it's not until the Holy Spirit overshadows you. It covers you like a cloud. That you're fully now immersed and directed by the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord today, Lord, I want your Holy Spirit to overshadow me, to cover me like a cloud. I want it to be all around me. I want it to be immersed completely in the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, he says here, the angel, he says, the Holy One. Why does he say Holy One? Because he would be set apart, he'd be different. It's not going to be any child. It's not going to be just a, a prophet or, 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 or a priest or any servant of God. It's going to be the Son of God. And he says the only way that this can happen is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now maybe you've been praying for something. And you're saying there's no way that this, answer, this prayer can be answered. Why not we start praying, Lord, I want you to overshadow us and cover us with a cloud. Cover us with your cloud, with your presence, with the thick presence of you. Because it's until the Holy Spirit starts to cover you with the presence of Himself, that you're able to see Him manifest now His will in your life. God's about to manifest Himself in the life of Mary because the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. You want the, Holy, the, the Lord to manifest Himself in your life? Say, Lord, cover me with the cloud, with the cloud of your presence, with the Shekinah glory. Now it says, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived this son in her old age. And this would be to confirm to Mary and to encourage her. Understand this is also a sign to you that Elizabeth, who is your relative, in her old age, she's going to have a son. She's pregnant. And this is now her sixth month for her who was called barren. She is six months pregnant to her who could not have children before. And you see how the Lord also always provides to you confirmation. The Lord says, you know, I'm calling you to do this. And although you think that this is not going to happen, the Holy Spirit's going to cover you. And guess what? I have some confirmation for you, for you. What's the confirmation here? Your relative, who you thought never could be pregnant in her old age, she is six months pregnant right now. This is a confirmation that God wants to do this for your life, Mary. You have to be so sensitive that you hear the message from God because He has conf special confirmation for you. And maybe it's in the life of those people that are around you. A confirmation. This is amazing. And you read in verse 37. Now it says, For with God, and I want you to underline this verse 37 because here's the punchline. For with God, here's encouragement, nothing will be impossible. Now sometimes you think, you know, that's impossible. There's no way. That's not going to happen. I, I, I don't imagine that that would ever even take place. You see, but with God, the impossible will be possible. And that is the message of Christmas. For with God, nothing will be impossible. In fact, he's saying here, this is a promise from God. And, and no word of God shall become or ever be 
powerless. When you read the Word of God, do you understand that it's full of power, full of truth? For with God nothing will be impossible. No word of God shall be powerless. This should be the statement of faith for your life. This is our statement of faith. For with God nothing will be impossible. Something happens in your life, you go back to your statement of faith. In Luke chapter 1 verse 37, For with God nothing will be impossible. That is the statement of faith that we have. For with God nothing will be impossible because He keeps His promises. You notice that? How she is so available for the Lord to keep His promises to her life. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now in verse 38, you see Mary's response after she hears this. Mary didn't ask any other questions. Mary didn't say, you know what? Well, I still don't believe you, angel. There's still a lot that has to take place for, me to, for this to even happen. And in verse 38, look at her response. Because this is the response that we ought to have when it comes to the Lord's calling on our life. The Lord calls you. The Lord equips you with His Holy Spirit. And then the Lord reminds you, nothing's impossible with me. Isn't that amazing how He sends you out? The Lord says, hey, I have a message for you. I'm calling you. You're highly favored. I'm with you. The Lord has blessed you. You found favor in His eyes. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to use you mightily in a way that you never thought before. And guess what? Nothing will be impossible with God. Well, that's amazing. You feel like you can do and execute the God's calling upon your life because of this. But look at her humble response in verse 38 because she says, Then Mary said, Behold, or here I am. Here I am, the maidservant of the Lord. Now, a maidservant was the lowest type of servant that you can possibly refer yourself to. And then she said, the Lord had a message for it. and said, I've called you to do this. And she didn't say, you know what, that, that calling is too hard for me. I'm just from Nazareth and Galilee. Why don't you call someone else? No, Mary here was a teenager. Think about this. <laughs> there are times where we think that we're too young to serve the Lord in a great capacity. She was a teenager. Betrothed to a man. And it says here that she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. He said, Here I am. I am just a servant. She's offering her body. She's offering her life. Here I am. I am just a servant. Behold, I am a humble servant of God. She didn't call herself or try to build a reputation in front of the angel. He said, I'm just a maidservant. I'm a humble servant of God. Let it be done to me. And I love this. According to your word. Let it be done according to the Word of God. Let it be done according to the message of God. She was available. She was willing. She was demonstrating an affirmation of faith that she believed that God would do what He said He would do. Have God, has God ever told you that He's going to do something in your life? Instead, you wait for the things to start happening and then you say, Lord, I'm going to take steps of faith as soon as I start to see things take place. As soon as maybe Mary started to notice, hey, I am actually pregnant. This is serious. <laughs> you know, I, it sounds like I have a baby inside of me now. <laughs> no, she said before anything, here I am. Let it be done to me according to your word. When was the last time you say it? Lord, you've called me to this, so let it be done to me according to your word. Because a lot of the times we want to say, let it be done according to my word. Let me have my way. Well, Mary was saying, I want God's will for my life. Let it be done to me according to your will. You see, she believed the promise. Although she did not understand how God would perform that promise. She believed the promise before she understood how God would even perform that promise. 
And she said, Lord, here I am. And she believed the word of God. She believed the word of God so she can be used not by the spirit of God to accomplish the will of God. Do you see how that happens? This is amazing. You want to you you accomplish the will of God, then you have to believe the word of God so that you can be used by the spirit of God to accomplish the will of God. You want to be in the will of God? Believe the word of God so you can be used by the spirit of God to accomplish the will of God. And this is just happening now in the life of Mary. She said, here I am. I'm your humble servant. Lord, do whatever you want in my life. Just like you want it. I'm here. I'm affirming the faith that I trust in what you say. I might not know how you're going to do it, but I trust that you will. And here I am. Do it in my life. This is absolute surrender. This is absolute submission right now. This is absolute obedience. When it comes to what God's called you to do, is there an absolute surrender submission and obedience to what He's called you to do. He's called you to do something and say, Lord, I'm here submitted. Whatever it takes, I do it in my life. And then in verse 39, it tells us this, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste or in urgency to a city of Judah. She's going now to visit now her relative, Elizabeth. Why do you think she went over there to see Elizabeth? And she's going with expectancy. Why? She knows that Elizabeth is pregnant for six months now. The angel Gabriel told her, but think about why she's going to be with Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth's the only one that's going to understand what Mary's about to say. Because Elizabeth also received a message from God. You see how Mary is so, she just wants to be in the presence of the Lord. She just wants to be in the will of God. That she is aligning herself with people that understand the will of God for her life as well. I'm going to go with Elizabeth. Because I understand and she'll recognize, she'll know that I, too, that I too am called by God for this. And it says in verse 39 that she arose in those days to a country in Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She knew that Elizabeth would understand. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. Mary walks in the door, Elizabeth's baby is just leaping or kicking in the, in the womb now. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. As soon as she hears the greeting of Mary, Elizabeth is filled. Why is she filled? It's so interesting, when Jesus enters the room, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you hear the greeting of, of the, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, he enters the room. And Elizabeth now, her baby is kicking in the womb now, the Holy Spirit. Uh, is doing a work here, and the Holy Spirit fills now Elizabeth in her life as well. See, this is amazing here because being filled with the presence of Jesus means being filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. It will always follow. When you want Jesus, you're also asking, Lord, I invite the power of the Holy Spirit to come into my life. You see, you want the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your life? Invite Jesus in, and the power will follow. The reason why there's no power is because we haven't invited Jesus to come in. You invite Jesus to come into your prayer life and the power will follow. There is no power if there's no Jesus. There was power that was followed by the presence of Jesus. There is always power that is followed by the presence of Jesus. And then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Blessed are you among, again, not above women, and blessed is the child that you are to have. But why is it? This granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Why, is, why, why have I found such favor? I'm so honored that, that Mary would come visit me, who is the mother of our Lord. She already knew. 
How did she know? The Holy Spirit filled her to recognize that. That Jesus was the Lord, that Jesus was the Messiah, that they had all been waiting for. That's why we need Jesus to speak into the hearts of, uh, of people, that the Holy Spirit would move into the hearts of people so they realize Jesus is the Messiah. And maybe today you've been praying for someone. And you're saying, Lord, how come they don't realize that they need you? It's the Holy Spirit that they need. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit, move in that person's life. Break them. The Holy Spirit has to break them. Show them. Make them realize so they understand. For indeed, verse 44, As soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. How was the baby leaping for joy? Now it's interesting here that the baby that Elizabeth was having was John the Baptist. What was John the Baptist's calling? To be a witness for Jesus' coming. Isn't it interesting that John gave witness of the Messiah? That John gave witness of the Messiah before he was even born? <laughs> He showed his mom, that is Jesus. And he starts kicking and screaming and doing all kinds of stuff in his mom's stomach. He was giving witness of Jesus before he was even born. <laughs> and you see the Holy Spirit here working now in verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. Now I want you guys to underline this church. Blessed is he who, she who believed. Well, where is the blessing at? And we talked about it last week. Blessed are the believing. Nothing is going to be impossible. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that nothing is impossible for God, if you really believe that, you will be blessed in what God's called you to do. There's no, more, there's no greater blessing than to know God. For God, there's nothing impossible. There's no greater blessing to, than to know that. Just imagine if Mary said, there's no way, this is not going to happen. I'm not going to have a son. Do you think that she would be blessed in her life? Do you think she would have received the grace and the favor of God? No, she received the grace and the favor of God also because she believed this was faith that was translated into power. Did you know that? That faith always tr is translated into power. Blessed is he, she who believed. Now, it was her faith that was increasing here. For there will be a fulfillment of the things which were told to her from the Lord. When is there a fulfillment of the things that God tells you? When it's always followed by faith. Lord, you've told me this. I believe that you're going to do this. There is a fulfillment of the promises that God told you that he would accomplish. Faith is translated into power. Why? Because you believe now that the Lord would do what he said he would do. Now there's a fulfillment that is told her from the Lord. Why? Because she believed. I think today we have to ask our Lord, increase my faith to believe that with you nothing is impossible. What would happen if we, we just here, those that are here just even tonight, even those that are just here tonight believed that with God nothing is impossible. What do you think would happen to this church? <laughs> oh, the Lord would just, His power would follow and His Holy Spirit would follow so heavy. Because He has a group of people that believe that with God nothing is impossible. Do you see that? And Mary said, now this is Mary's song. And we see in Mary's song that she magnifies the Lord. And how does she magnify the Lord? By worshiping Him. But she keeps Him here the center of her worship. And it says here, Mary said, verse 40, My soul magnifies the Lord. This is important when she's saying, My soul magnifies the Lord. The word magnify means to make great. To make great. Have you ever used a magnifying glass, right? 
I remember magnifying glasses growing up. You get a magnifying glass and you put it over something. What is, happens? It makes or illuminates something and makes something big when it comes to your vision. Now, I can see it much better. It, it enlarged it now, the image, right? It's, it's magnified now, right? That's what happens. Now, what she's doing is she's making him great. That's what worship is. Making him great in our lives. The Lord magnifies, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She's rejoicing. Now notice in verse, as we even read earlier in verse 38, she's offering herself, her body, her life. But then in verse 46 and 47, she offers her spirit and she offers her soul. This is true worship. It starts in the spirit and the soul. My soul, here it says, magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced. You see how those things are working together? They're praising God. And, and what does she do here? Why is she singing? Why is she worshiping? Because she's doing exactly what someone who is blessed and highly favored should do. Magnify the Lord. When you realize, man, I'm so blessed. I'm highly favored by God. The only response that you should do is to magnify the Lord now. She's doing the only thing that she is expected to do. And that is to magnify the Lord because she is blessed and highly favored of God. Now verse 48, For he has regarded the lowly state of, my mates, of his maidservant. He has noticed me, even though I'm just a humble, lowly servant girl. That's what she's saying. He noticed me. He regarded me. And this is the humble heart of worship now, that is filled with gratitude. And then look what it says as she goes forth. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. I, I shall be blessed in generations to come. She is so grateful and she starts to praise God. And I want you to notice here something. From verses 48 all the way to verse 55, I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to, to underline or circle every time it says he or him. Because you notice that her worship song is filled with him or he. It's not filled with I. It's filled with him or with he. Can we notice that? Just notice that. Be very specific. Be, be very, now, be, seek it very diligently when it comes to him and to he. And it says here, Behold, henceforth, generations will call me blessed. What do they call me blessed? For he, now it says here, notice that, he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for who? For her. Again, who is it? It's Him who is mighty. It's all about Him. He who is mighty. In verse 50, And His mercy is on those who fear, who else? Him. Who is God's mercy on? On those who fear Him. On those who fear Him. Notice that. From generation to generation. Verse 50, his mercy, His goodness, His name, His attributes are on those who fear Him. He has done great things for me. If you believe that God has done great things for you, does it not give you a reason to worship Him today? Does it not give you a reason to magnify the Lord because He has done great things for you? He's done great things for you. He is mighty to save. And His mercy is on those who fear Him, and those who respect Him, those who worship Him. And from verse here 50, to 55, he, she, he is now, she is now talking about what God's done for us. First she's saying what God has done for, for her. Now what has God done for us collectively together? What has He done? He's given us mercy. Verse 51, look what it says. He has shown strength 
with his arm. Look what the Lord has done. This is God-centered worship. He has shown strength with his arm. Again, verse 50. He has scattered the proud, or he has humbled those that are proud in the imagination of their hearts. Those that think that they are something in the imagination of their hearts. He's scattered them. He's dispersed them. He's, he, he's now uh, humbled them. And it says, he has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has demoted now those that think that they are proud for, those that are rebelling against God, and He has exalted those that are lowly. Do you notice how this is how, how the Lord is, how she's magnifying the Lord because the Lord is exalting the lowly and the humble? I love this, that when you read this, it almost reminds you of your life. Lord, thank you because you looked at me. I'm just a maid servant. I'm just a lowly servant. And Lord, you've exalted, you, you decided to use me. And you could have used someone else, you say. But those that are high on their thrones, you've taken them down and you, you are raising someone that is so lonely. Why? Because she understands here that God is to receive all the glory. She understands that God is to receive all the praise. You notice that Mary didn't take the praise and the honor for herself. She's giving the praise and the honor and all of that for the Lord. And it says here, she's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the Lord. He has filled the hungry with good things. Wasn't this amazing? God has satisfied those with good things. God has satisfied. God has filled. God has met the need with good things. And the rich, He has sent away empty. Why did He send away the rich empty? Because they didn't have a heart for the Lord. And He's talking about the simplicity, the heart of simplicity now. That's in, involved in worship. The heart of simplicity. Verse 54. He has helped His servant Israel. Now, what has God done for Israel? Number one, what has God done? Number one, for her. What has God done for us? And what has God done for Israel? 54 and 55. He has helped His servant Israel. God has aided Israel. He has aided Israel and He has remembered or in remembrance of, again, His mercy. Why does God help? Because He remembers His mercy. As He spoke to our fathers, who is speaking now? The Lord, as the Lord spoke to now the fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. As he spoke to Abraham and as he spoke to Isaac and as he spoke to Jacob and he spoke to the generation, he has completed what he has said. Why was she doing that? Because she was praising God, believing and remembering everything that God has already done and called her to do, believing everything that God has done for the nation of Israel. And that God responds to the prayer of the simple. I love this because it, it reminds us to not only increase our faith, to magnify the Lord, but to keep Him the center. You know why Mary was so blessed? Because she kept Him the center. She kept Him the center. And in verse 56 it says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Mary was there before going back to her house. But she demonstrates to us an attitude of humility when God calls you. An attitude of humility when God calls you. What does she do? She keeps Jesus the King. And I pray that today we would do the same. Say, Lord, increase my faith that when you say nothing is impossible, that I would be blessed in believing that. That I would magnify you and make you great. But also, Lord, as I make you great, that I would keep you the center of my worship. That nothing else would interrupt the center. That I would know, Lord, it's because of you. You are doing this. It's not man. It's not princes. It's not people. It's not titles. It's not leaders. It's you. You are the one that's doing this. 
And she really believed that. Her trust was in God. There's so much peace. There's so much blessing where you lean into God and say, Lord, my trust is in You. My trust is in You. That's exactly what she was doing. She was saying, my trust is in the Lord. Think about how blessed she was. Because she learned to trust in the Lord, saying, Lord, You are behind this. It's not anyone else. It is the Lord. This is a work of God. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank You, God. We pray, Lord, that even as this Christmas season would continue, Lord, in the next few days, Lord, and weeks, Lord, that, Lord, that we, You would increase our faith, God. That as Mary believed in the calling that she had in her life, Lord, that we would so also remember and believe, Lord. I pray, God, that we would magnify You in our lives. And that we would keep you the center of our worship. That you are behind it, Lord. That you raise up the lowly, God. That it is you that is doing these things, not anyone else. It is you who is doing these things, God. We ask, Lord, even for our nation right now, Lord.